with Authors fans, we have some pretty big news from your host here, Erica Lance. We are moving to change the format of the show to be one episode. So there's a few episodes that record the old way that we're doing the new way. And that's what you're listening to. So thank you. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And we love having you as fans. On to the show. This podcast could potentially have adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly the possibility of sexual content. <clears throat> Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Drinking with Authors. I am your host, Erica Lance. My co-host today, we'll see how well behaved she can be, Valerie <laughs> Willis. I know you guys love me. Yes, they do. do. And our guest today is Scott Colby. Woo! Woo! Hi, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Welcome, welcome. Okay, let's talk about what we're drinking. So I have some Drinking with Authors swag. Scott, you'll get this for being on the show. But I got one of the sodas from around here, which is a Waynesville soda, jerk soda, which Mm -hmm. is lavender and lemon. And then I put gin in it. Brilliant. I like because I'm all about the gin. Uh, anyway, I feel I can mix gin into almost anything. Val, what are you drinking? I am drinking coffee and Bailey's in my coffee cup that uh, is a grammar joke. It says, let's eat Timmy, correct, at the dinner table with a comma. Let's eat Timmy, correct, on a raft in the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. Scott, what are you drinking? I um, I went the simple route. I wasn't in the mood to mix anything up today. So I have a um, a year with Dr. Nandu from Aeronaut Brewing Company, which is um, one of my local breweries, one of my favorites. It is an American India Pale Ale, originally brewed to toast their one-year anniversary. Very oh, good. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. Great color to support to local. Yeah. Look how fancy you put it in a fancy glass, though. Absolutely. Only the best for you guys. Oh, I feel so, <laughs> so privileged. Okay. So for those that may not know you, Scott, what do you write? I write uh, contemporary fantasy that I hope other people find as funny and amusing as I do. Um, so, uh, I'm up to five books now, which is pretty, pretty amazing, pretty fantastic. The fifth just released a couple of, couple of weeks ago. Um, it kind of all started way back when I was uh, a teenager and I walked out of the movie theater having just seen the movie Men in Black. And I thought, well, what happens if there was a world like that except with magic and fantasy creatures? So that's been my main, uh, my main thing for the last little bit. Um, you know, it's gone through a lot of different iterations and rewriting and rethinking and all of that. Um, and uh, the current incarnation of it uh, has been published with Outland Entertainment for the last couple of years. Very awesome. Cool. That was a lot, all in a very short I know, I know he packed it all in there. So here's a question for you. Tell us a little bit more about your main character. I mean, do you sure. follow the same characters in all five books or do you switch it up? Oh, I switch it up quite a bit. Um, it's it's funny. My editor actually told me like, hey, you, you kind of wrote like four sequels to the first book, um, each in their own way. And they kind of do happen kind of like at the same time in certain certain situations. And there is some, some carryover um, in characters between the different books. But so far, it's mostly been a different main character or pair of main characters, group of main characters in each book. Okay, so you unpack there. I want to go back further. 
Sure. So you're a teenager. You're watching Men in Black. You think see the flashy thing, which is my yeah. favorite part of that movie in the entire oh, yeah. world. I really wish I had a flashy thing. Me too. Um, so, uh, and then you're like, you know what? I'm going to create this world. But do you, so how do you actually start writing it? Like, sure. let's go back to that point. Sure. So I actually start writing it, um, like, you know, the actual physical process of it uh, in notebooks in the back of the class. And I was supposed to be taking notes on actual schoolwork, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, was, uh, was a good student, but not particularly committed and needed a way to keep myself entertained. Um, I like to joke that I was horrible at drawing. So um, it, it started off very, very simply, right? So you think about something like that. Well, what's the what's the dividing line, right? How does how does how do you keep the the modern world separate, right, from the strange magic world that's going on? Okay, well they've got magic dust, right? So problem solved. We move on um, as a teenager does. Um, but it's gotten to be more complicated um, as I got older and hopefully wiser and, and more aware that the world has to be a little bit bigger and more complex than that, right? So, um, you know, I figured out where that particular um, product comes from, you know, uh, built a whole um, bit of lore around who is um, uh, mining it, acquiring it, all of that kind of stuff, how it's distributed, how it's used. And um, that was probably, you know, that was the foundation. Um, I had a very set um, main character at the beginning, and he is the main character of the second book and makes other appearances. Um, he was kind of an down on his luck everyman, right? Like marriage wasn't going so great. And oh, hey, he's suddenly he finds um, the kind of the world's most powerful magic, and it somehow ends up in his shotgun because I was a kid and thought that was hilarious. Um, and he now has to go be part of this magic world, right? And there's a conspiracy yeah. around how he wound up with this magic to begin with and how it's like, well, what's, what's really going on here, right? Is somebody trying to bring things down? Is somebody trying to shake things up? What's the deal? Um, and that part of it was kind of inspired by a Terry Brooks novel that I really, really loved when I was younger, which is Magic Kingdom for sale. Um, his Shannara series is much more popular, but um, Magic Kingdom always always did it for me, right? The main character was very, very similar. Um, down on his luck guy wound up buying a uh, Magic Kingdom through a Sears catalog or, you know, the rough approximation of it. Uh, that turned out to be uh, more than he expected to, right? Like there was, there was a reason for it and there was a whole thing and people trying to exploit all of that um and I kind of I like that vibe and I wanted to play with it a little bit so I I did very cool very cool okay so um I'm assuming you're also a gamer I am yes yeah yeah not as not as much as I used to be but yeah I got my PlayStation and my Switch over there and yeah what about um role-playing games uh I played Dungeons and Dragons for the first time a couple of weeks ago and I really enjoyed it yeah very cool. It's always interesting to me because I think a lot of people that create fantasy worlds, not everybody, but are gamers by nature because it's sure. it's almost how we like figure out how to build the world. Totally. I say that as if I write any fantasy. I do not. <laughs> so did you see that sounded so almost educated there? <laughs> like, <laughs> let me talk about this because yeah, I, so. <laughs> I don't I don't write fantasy at all because I world building. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like math. Man, the world building thing. <laughs> Actually, it's kind of not true though, because I'm working on a book series, a book right now that's turning into a series that I have to do world building on. And I was like, 
motherfucker. Like, <laughs> taking notes, get a picture yeah. board going. There's all yeah, sorts it's, of it's a, I'm doing a mood board. No, just kidding. I'm not doing <laughs> no mood board. So when did your first book come out? When did the first one go come? So these, um, the first four books in this series, I self-published in my 20s. Um, you know, I was a young, brash guy with a technology degree and the Kindle was all the rage and Amazon was like, you could just publish through us. And I went, oh, I can do that, no problem. So um, that was what I did initially. Um, mm -hmm. Never made more than, you know, a little bit of beer money, um, but it was, a, it was a cool experience. Um, but at the same time, I had also been doing a little bit of work for the company that eventually became Outland Entertainment. So they, um, when I first met them, um, I had answered kind of an open call to participate in a bigger, like shared fantasy world kind of thing where they had this giant world book um, and they wanted to be able to publish a bunch of different novels and short stories and have an RPG all about it. Um, so I, I worked with them for a while and we, you know, got a bunch of short stories out there. I think only one of the novels got finished in that initial push. Um, but I, I had kept in touch with them and would occasionally do editing work or random little pieces of writing for them. Um, and eventually they merged with um, an actual publishing company. And the, they were like, hey, Scott, come work with us and we want your existing stuff. And I'm like, great, let's go. Um, so that arrangement uh, started uh, three years ago, four years ago, and they've been steadily re-releasing those four um, that were initially self-published. Uh, you know, they got fresh edits, fresh covers. They're all fantastic. They're in much better shape than they ever were in the past. Um, and Vengeance Squad, which came out the other day, um, is the very first, like, freshly published uh, Deviant Magic novel uh, via Outland Entertainment. So... Um, I do also have, uh, we did end up finishing one of those original novels that I mentioned for the shared world fiction. Um, so that is The Black Yonix, A Bitter End, which is a pirate story that's super fun. Um, and we've got more of those coming too. So lots on the plate. Very cool. So the first four are republished through them? They are, yeah. And I feel very fortunate, right? Because that's, that's not often how it goes with um, self-published work. You know, I had kind of, you know, before I started talking to them, I had kind of been thinking like, well, how, am I, how many more of these do I want to do, right? Because it's not, not really, was it getting so far as, as just doing this all on my own? And I knew that there was often a stigma around republishing self-published work. And it was one of those things where it's like, you know, I'll leave it where it is. If I ever find a way to, to get it somewhere, I will absolutely jump on that opportunity. Um, and, you know, I, I lucked out, right? Like networking and, and being good to work with and keeping in touch with people absolutely um, got me to where I am today in that regard, yeah. So didn't you, go ahead, Val, go ahead. Yeah, no, and, and you're right. There, there's this really strange stigma, right? About self-publishing, unless the books pop in like Fifty Shades of Grey or Legends and Latte, like once you self-publish, there's still a little bit, it's not as bad as it was in 2010. But there's still a little bit of that hesitation to republish stuff. Um, and of course, Eric and I own a publishing company called Four Horsemen. And one of the things that when we started, we're like, no, we're going to take those because we get why you would choose one over the other. 
Um, but that is awesome that they, they picked up. What was it like having to circle back to those four books and go through the traditional aspects of a, a proper edit, proper cover design and stuff? How did it differ from your initial launch? Sure. I mean, it was eye-opening, right? Like, because it is such a much more um, long-term labor-intensive process, right? Like, you know, I had a, a Word document that I was reasonably certain was pretty clean and I was able to push a few buttons and here we go, I've got a book, right? And meanwhile, now, um, you know, working with a more traditional publisher, it's okay, we have this round of edits and now you have to review, which was cool and fun because like that was like the best feedback I had ever gotten on this work. So I really, really love that process. Want to give a big shout out to um, Alana Abbott, who is my wonderful editor. Um, and um, you know, it really wound up being a better book and a better series because of that. So, and you know, there's a lot of back and forth, right? So there's there's that first edit and then you clean it up, goes back to the editor again, you clean it up, several months have passed. You know, now there's an actual um, more series copy edit, a couple more months pass. Now you've got design and you're, you're looking at, at um, mock-ups for what the cover might be and you're you know learning what a galley proof is and um you know it, it turns into a whole thing and it's i like it i enjoy it right like every step along that way is um fantastic because getting that feedback and like learning you know hearing what works is always great but like hearing these other suggestions and ideas and ways that you might be able to improve it that you didn't think of i think is like invaluable no, it's true. And I think it's interesting. So when you went to publish the first time, your whole like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to publish this thing. Yeah. Um, what did you go through any training at all on it? Or did you just find that you could go into create space or whatever it was at the moment? Brandon, mm -hmm. um, uh, Amazon bought create space and now it's Kindle, KDP. KDP. Yeah. yeah. Um, but did you do any courses, anything, or did you just go, that's it, I'm doing this? <laughs> I went, that's it, I'm doing it. I read the documentation, you know, I checked the user forums. I um, I did pay for an edit um, on at least a few of them. Um, you know, I found a cover artist, I forget, might've been through Fiverr, even though it wound up being a lot more um, expensive than five bucks. Um, I <laughs> actually did have somebody through Fiverr also like review my back of the book text, because that's just not something I'm particularly good at. Um, but yeah, it was a very um, kind of solo kind of thing. It was like, you know what, I could just read the documentation. I can do this. I can figure this out. And that was that was the attraction, right? That was the allure is like, this is mine and I can just do it. But, um, you know, there's there's more to being successful, I think, than, than just that. So did you, when you, when I'm jumping in, you take you a sip of your damn You go, America. <laughs> yeah. I'll question for later. Um, uh, my question was, so when you did the self-publisher, before you did that, did you print off your books and go to conventions and do that sort of thing? No. Oh, you just kept them secret and safe with you and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I had some friends read them, but that was pretty much the extent of the pre-reading or even the, the marketing. You know, I thought, okay, I can market using um, my blog. I used to write a lot of just silly little things that would pop into my head. And I actually did have a little bit of success with that. And I should be doing it more um, because that voice kind of translates pretty well to the actual books. You know, I had people leave comments. It's like, I found this pretty funny. And then I saw your book 
your book is funny too so like you're great um which is always nice to hear um but yeah it was a very it was a very small operation put it that way and I love to hear that that you took the time to seek out others, right? You sought out an editor, you paid for a cover design, you even paid for a blurb or product detail. These are sort of things that I know Erica and I have said on the podcast many, many times. If, there's nothing wrong with self-publishing, but know when to drop the cash, right? Know that you can't forfeit editing you can't forfeit marketing because yes anyone can put a book up on amazon for free without spending any money but it is your cover going is that marketability right that is right. the cover have you told someone it's there because they have over two million plus books going through there in a, yeah. in a short amount of time in any given moment yes you have a landing page on amazon but no one knows it's there um, and I love hearing that your blog and sort of newsletter combo was sort of like your, your secret of unlocking and, and tapping into your readership. What other um, things did you do besides that? Or was that your core first line in that beginning? That was definitely the core first line. I also would occasionally do the um, free promotions that, that Amazon would allow. Um, and I would end up like giving away... Um, especially after I had multiple books up there, right? The thought being, hey, give the first one away for free. Maybe that can can generate some sales for the next few. Um, that never felt like it worked particularly well for me for whatever reason. Um, Same. It's, it was always a little disheartening, right? You see like a thousand free books go away and you think, oh, I, I should get at least I had something, but. 5,000 on the last one I ever did with them before I, I started changing things up. Yeah. And it never went anywhere. And I'm like, do you guys just hire people in the Philippines to just click right. that button? That's what it feels like, right? Yeah. So, uh, and I always tell people like, don't do value in your book. Like, it, you know, that's a discussion I have to have. They're like, oh, but no one's going to buy it if it's uh, not, not 99 cents. I'm like, it's quite the opposite. Right. Readers, readers are quite the opposite than you would think. So, um, but no, and, and I'm always preaching newsletter, newsletter or a blog that's doubles as your newsletter is number one, man. And it has been for over 10 years and it's crazy, but that, that routine is awesome. Um, did you ever seek out advice on how to strengthen your blog or newsletter at any given time? I didn't know. No, there were times that I would try to read up about those topics, but I never went looking to speak to someone else about it. No. So now that you're with a traditional publisher or, uh, you know, going that route, is there any difference on my eye is itching? I'm sorry. Is there any difference on what they want you to do marketing wise or what you're needing to do marketing wise, even though they've published your books now? Are you, you're not just sitting back and going, cool, they published my books. <laughs> I, I'm sure that's not the case. Yeah, there's definitely an expectation that that I will be doing more. You know, they're, they've got their, they're mostly focused on social media right now and expanding their reach on that side of things, um, as well as working on their own um, um, blogging uh, stuff, because that does pretty well. Um, but yeah, it's, and it's also kind of like, like, I feel like it gets me further now, right? Because there is more of that, like, baseline, like, um, kind of audience out there because of the publisher, right? So I make sure I tag them in everything I do. And, you know, we're, we're good at, like, retweeting each other and taking care of each other in that regard. 
Um, can't say there's any like hard and fast rules or um, like high expectations around what we're going to do. Um, but there, you know, there are at least um, kind of like advisories of, of how to how to go about this. And That's it is interesting looking across at the other authors um, that are signed on with this organization too, because they are doing things very different ways. And it's kind of, it's neat to see how they're doing it and kind of like borrow ideas. And um, so that's that kind of networking and, and opportunity to talk with other authors um, has been pretty useful. That's very cool. No, I think that's very important to, to see what other authors are doing that is successful. Mm -hmm. So do you have an in-person event planned to take your books? Because your books are ripe for nerd cons. And right. so I, I'm just like, how the hell has he not been to a nerd con? You know? With the books. Where's your booth? What's happening? You're right. And you know, the, the big problem is that I just completely lost track of when those events were going to be this year. And it turns out they're all like, at least in my neck of the woods, they're all like in the next couple of weeks. It's like, okay, well, that's that's not gonna work out. I guess we have to wait until next year. Um but I am going to look and see what else is around later in the year. Um, we may end up at uh, Planet Comic Con in Kansas City. I did that with the publisher last year. You know, we had a giant booth with all the all the books. Um, there were only a couple of authors there, and I was one of them. And we had a nice spread with all the books lined up. And um, how was you know, that for you, being in front of humans selling your books? It was wild. It was wild. I couldn't believe that people, you know, and like I've seen the numbers. I know people will buy them. Like I couldn't believe that somebody would just walk up and be like, oh, that looks cool. I'm going to buy it. And then they find out I'm there and it's like, they oh, they get sign. excited. <laughs> yeah, they get so excited. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And in a lot of cases, they're like, oh, I just wanted this one, but now you're here. Give me all of them. It's like, it's fantastic. Let's do it. Right. That's great. Yeah. It was very well, cool. People, you're, you're a celebrity. People get <laughs> excited to meet celebrities and especially. <laughs> You know that us as authors we don't think that way we're like please right. you know but you know that is really the view you need to have is that people are excited so when they know you can sign so what was that like signing your first book it was kind of nerve-wracking right like I didn't want to I didn't want to mess up my signature you know <laughs> like I wanted this to be readable I didn't want to make a mess you know and it's like, oh, I gotta, I gotta write something more than a signature. So I at least started putting like, like if we had had a funny little conversation about something, I'd make a reference to that, and I would make sure that I, you know, plan a Comic Con twenty twenty one to make sure that everybody twenty twenty two. I forget what year it is. It's, it's, like, it's um, no one knows what year it is. It's nobody okay. knows. I would we rather stop carrying a twenty twenty what year it was anymore. Exactly. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just thinking of it as year three, right? Like we've we've shifted. It's not AD anymore. It's a whole new thing. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool if we could start the years over, wouldn't it? Like, okay, after COVID, AC, yep. year one, after COVID. Um, so that's one thing we do talk about. Well, I'll take a break in just a minute, but is taglines, is rehearsing the taglines you put in your books. Yep. Because especially if you get more and more going, you got to go fast and you got to figure out what taglines to use, yeah. right? So um, besides putting in that you were at that particular con, did you come up with any fun taglines to put in your books? You know, I didn't. That's an interesting thought. And that's going to that's gonna be percolating in the back of my brain for the rest of the day. <laughs> for the rest of the day. <laughs> well, I, I like writing puns in mine. So like my first book is Cedric the Demonic Knight. So I write in uh, that one. I hope you stay up all night reading. <laughs> the Roma Santa, the father of werewolves. It's have a Halloween good time reading. 
like I do I'm terrible I'm so terrible I think the only one who's punnier than I am is Mark Munsey in the <laughs> motor books he's like don't goose a ghost or something he, he says he does all sorts of fun stuff nice. <laughs> but it's true is having those sort of things I think you know people love and do you, have you started asking if they want it um, personalized to them you know I should I didn't that's interesting yeah yeah Look at all the stuff you're learning, Scott. I'm learning so much. This is this is a huge benefit. Thank you. Should I be paying you guys for this? Yeah. Yes. Actually, I'll yeah. tell you where to send the check to. No, just kidding. No, I think because a lot of times um, the people are actually too nervous to ask you to personalize it. So I always go, do you want it personalized? And sometimes they say yes. And sometimes they say no. And then I think to myself, eventually somebody's going to try to sell this book on eBay or something. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I like conventions that put their names on the badges because then I'm like, I'm like let me see your badge. Because <laughs> they get so nervous that sometimes they'll rattle off how to spell it so fast. I'm like, my brain breaks. I'm like, you're going to have to go very slow now. <laughs> my favorite is when they say names that are really easy. Like it's Sarah, but it's with a QR. What? <laughs> we're, we're, well, okay. <laughs> Regretting asked if you want to personalize. Just kidding. Have okay. Extra $5. Yeah, exactly. Okay, we got to take a quick break and we will be right back with Drinking with Authors. Hey, listeners. You know me, Eric Lance. You're just listening to me in the podcast that you have. But guess what? I'm doing something new. Yeah, she's joining me, Mark Muncy, the author of the Erie, Florida book series in Erie, Appalachia. And we are hosting a new podcast called Erie Travels. Woo-woo! Erie Travels, which covers things like ghosts, cryptids, weird stuff, UFOs, men in black, all kinds of fun things that people talk about and I'm sure you've discussed with friends. Yep, and you can listen to us on your favorite podcast platform of choice or find us at eerietravels.com and join in the fun and all the spooky goodness. And of course, Mark, what do we always say? We'll see you on the other side. We are back much signature conversation so when you started writing these and when you published them i mean you said you worked in the it field where are you at now as far as what your writing goals are so i um my big goals really i want to i want to plug through and finish this series right like nine books seems appropriate for the arc that i've built and where it's going to go so so your fans um, demand more continue exactly yeah (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) yeah Um, so that's a big one. Um, been working on the sixth book. Um, I have also just submitted the sequel to, uh, the pirate book to the black Yonix uh, a couple of months ago. So that hopefully will be published by the end of this year. Pirate goodness should be on the lookout. Um, and then I, I do want to, I want to branch out more, right? Like I want to do more short fiction, right? I've always enjoyed writing short fiction, um, but the the novels kind of just like took over. Um, I have a few pieces that I've been submitting around trying to get a little traction on um, in terms of the short fiction. Um, and I also would like to, um, you know, build a new new series, right? I haven't done that in a while. 
and maybe it doesn't have to turn into a series, right? Maybe it could just be a standalone book. I have a few ideas that I've been kicking around. I have um, probably the first 25,000 words about, um, uh, sorry, of um, another idea, kind of kind of similar real world kind of thing um, with more of a, a basis in um, Buddhist theology, um, you know, the idea of all the different afterlives and like things escaping from that and there being a group of people who um, combat that when it goes sideways um, and how that could work. Um, and, you know, I would love to get into some science fiction and um, maybe do something where the world is similarly complex to what I have in Deviant Magic, but like where I do more of the world building upfront, right? Deviant Magic has been a little bit uh, kind of seat of the pants, right? Like each book right. takes place in a very specific, um, almost like subsection of the setting. So I don't necessarily have all of it if that makes sense, right? There's a lot of allusions to other things that are going on, but I, I haven't planned out every little piece and part about the world. And I would love, love, love to um, have a project where I just sit down and do that or something new. So does that mean you're gonna try to stick to um, a traditionally published route versus doing both? I think so, I think so. Um, I think it would depend on the project, right? If I had something that I really believed in that couldn't find um, traditional publishing traction, I would. I would consider self-publishing that, yeah. Very cool, very cool. Val? Well, Val, Val. Yourself, uh, I, 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 I get yelled at all the time about asking all the questions. So. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> then that, you it, drink it, it, and then you don't remember your name, so. I don't remember, yes, I know. I'm, I I'm sure like to go very light today because after the champagne incident, I'm very gun shy. Uh, <laughs> I love that you're referring to it as an incident. <laughs> it was. I did not see that coming. It was like a bus hitting me. Um, I don't drink very often. The only time I drink, Scott, is on this show. And I got a bottle of, I guess, champagne. I don't know. I just go and buy an alcohol that sounds still it sounds like something I might like. Yeah. And two glasses in, I was gone. <laughs> I'm such a lightweight. Good time. Um, when you're doing you know, cause you, you've created this world and stuff. Do you have like a separate document? Do you have like a notebook that you keep your world notes in? How do you maintain or organize your chaos, so to speak? Yeah, there is, a, there are a few word documents that I've got going on that are just very disorganized notes. Um, it's more just like anytime there's something that's a very specific detail that I know I might need, I try to remember to put it in there. Um, I'm not sure I've gotten all of it. Um, trying to do a better job with that on this next uh book because it's getting out of control and i Ooh, do nine worry. books in my friend how the hell are you gonna pull this off because i have i'm gonna pray i am right? like, i am just saying like your readers are gonna be like what what did he just say um, it's, it's scary but true like they keep see they're gonna keep better track of your world than you are just fair warning of this they're going to come up to you and go, so my favorite character is Alyssa. She's the bard from book three. And you're going to look at her and go, what? <laughs> who, who was it that we were talking to that says that they have a wiki page for their series and they go and consult the, the, the fan-made wiki page? <laughs> and one of the big authors was like, yeah, I just go to the wiki. 
<laughs> serious. When I can't find the answer, I'm, I start emailing my fan group and my book clubs. <laughs> I was about to make a joke about doing that because I think that's pretty brilliant. That'd be the way. It's brilliant, right? but I I loved it because it also showed like don't because I because people ask me because I build these massive massive worlds for my stuff and I do a lot of research because a a lot of what my character she just likes about. to do research so let, research let that go as that's gonna go ask me mythology anything and dark history <laughs> and I'm gonna know a thing um but at the same point, I, I tell people, don't obligate yourself to remember everything about your characters in your world. Like for the love of God, no, don't do that to yourself. That's torturous. You're, you're gonna stumble and then it's gonna kill your morale. Um, but the other piece of advice I give often is think of that world book and those world notes as another book that you're creating off to the side that you can share with yeah. your kids because there is nothing cooler than being able, like look at the Harry Potter franchise, right? You could buy books about the characters and the creatures and people get excited about it. But at the same point, I secretly think that's, I, I would not be shocked if JK Rowling has a copy of both these <laughs> books just in case, you know? Um, and and that's so sort of- when, you, when you're writing, I just gotta ask, sorry about, you can jump mm -hmm. back, but so when you're writing, cause you've done five books, you're writing book six, do you go back and read? Do you I go do. back and listen? Okay. Yeah. I was wondering how the hell you remembered what the hell was going on. I do. Cause... Yeah. I have to, right? There's there's no no other way. And like I'm thankful that my prose is pretty quick and easy to read because it makes that process a lot easier. Um, okay. I am also reviewing the um audiobook version of A Date with Death, the first book in the series right now. And that's been it's been a trip, right? Ooh. Like it's it's a lot of, a lot of fun like when i realized how much it was making me laugh i was very happy right like cuz this is these are jokes i should know by heart and like hearing somebody else say them like it's like okay yeah that you, you did a good job on that one yeah yeah it, so you, it is cool because I do the same thing and I think Erica does the same thing where we listen to the audiobook version of our earlier books to get in the mood to write the next book in the series but hearing it it's it sort of alienated from you and coming back to you for the first time um it does that you're like oh my god now I remember why I had the passion to write this story this is a good story uh and it kind of brings you back to that that foundation that got you motivated um and and people have to remember when it comes to audiobooks tv series movies it's an adaptation of the work too right like it's not going to be exactly match your head but it's not really meant to either but it's still cool to kind of be like oh my god like this is this is something I help create um is there are you normally an audiobook listener you know I haven't been no no I um I was late to the the um party on podcasts too like before the pandemic I had not really gotten into them and then it was like oh the only thing I can really do with myself is like walk everywhere around the neighborhood let's let's see that what this podcast thing is about um and, and that was what really got me into that I could I could totally see getting into audiobooks a little bit more after that experience too yeah I'll Let's tell see. you audiobooks I used to read a ton of paper books and then kindle books an absolute ton I haven't touched my kindle in over a year yeah. because of time but I have to do dishes I have to do laundry I have to take my dogs out like there I have to drive to the post office I do a ton of driving to conventions and stuff like that audiobooks 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 listen nice. to the ones we've published listen to my own that's you know Val 
But I was like, do you have passion story? No, I listen to my audiobooks so I remember what the hell I said in the previous books because that way I don't mess them up. <laughs> I use it. That's my world book. I'll listen to my previous books to go, okay, what the hell did I say in the last one? Okay, good. Now I remember where I'm at. Let's do this. So I think that's a lot of fun. Did you pick your narrator? Did they pick your narrator? I picked, yeah, yeah. Yeah, liked his voice, liked the sample, and thought, hey, let's let's roll with this. This sounds good. Yeah. That's very cool. Did you create an audio Bible for him? Oh, I did not. No, no. Okay. Fun he story. hit pretty much everything. Like the pronunciations were surprisingly like right there, you know. Okay. You were lucky. Book <laughs> yes. two, three, four. They may want to consider doing an audiobook Bible so that, you know, instead of saying Erica, they you want them to say Erica. And right. they won't know that because they're just going to you Google those words and guess what they they mean. I've seen a lot of authors <laughs> go, but that's not what they said. And I'm like, cool, but you didn't tell them that. Right. So that's what they said. And it does help uh, in audiobook narr narrators, like giving them an audiobook Bible is not an insult to them. In fact, they, they, there's a sigh of relief that comes with that when they receive one. Um, and even just giving them some key words of what, what tone each character should be or what their personality type is. So when they read that dialogue, they'll try to, to take it up a notch. Uh, definitely yeah. helps. And it's one of the things... Um, you know that I don't think we talk about very often in the industry either that this is this is something that that goes on a lot of times with the traditional publisher though usually they ask your editor to also provide something right. so perhaps that's also what happened sort of in your case um but it is it does it helps a long way um and it's really cool to hear that you're you're finally getting that audiobook experience after self-publishing and then coming into traditional, having the relaunch is a, a big arduous task. Were you panicked about relaunching, by the way, or no. were you excited? I was excited and, and yeah. it was definitely one of those where it's like, see how it goes. And that's kind of, that's kind of my attitude towards a lot of things is like, let's give it a go. See, see what happens here. That's always see what happens here. Okay, let's talk about reviews. Do you read your reviews? No, no. No? No. Interesting. Nope. Why did you choose not to read your, you're the first person that's ever gone, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, waiting for this answer, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> Why you not? Know, if there's something bad there, I just don't need to know. I just don't need to know. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what I, I think that's not, I, I mean, that is what, you know, we have to warn people about is if they don't want to know that part, because right. um, especially even if you increase in popularity, no matter how brilliant your writing may be, you're going to get a percentage of people that are going to be like, I don't like yeah. this, or I don't think this is funny or whatever negative thing that they could. Yeah. Possibly I, I know an author friend of mine, we were talking about this the other day and she's like, yeah, I don't look at my reviews. I don't. And I said, oh, she says, but what I do is I ask my husband to look at them and he only shares, <laughs> shares lines that he thought were really insightful to me. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, so she has a, she is, Basically, it's your significant nice. other to be her filter, which is smart. It's a smart way. Like if you're gonna, if you can't stop yourself from getting upset 
right. don't expose yourself to it. But at the same point, if you're still curious, there are ways to work around it, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and my editor has been good about sharing um, if there are good reviews in uh, bigger publications, like the, the third book, uh, Diary of a Fairy Princess, got a very nice write-up in Publishers Weekly, and she sent that Ooh. a lot. So, like, if there's something like that, absolutely, I'll check that out. But otherwise, you know, it's it's a rabbit hole. I don't feel the need to fall down. Well, um, I, I always say that that reviews are for readers, right? That's readers talking to readers about what they thought. Like, every once in a while... Uh, so Erica will tell you, I write Sleeping with Sasquatch by Honey Cummings. That's me. Um, and I wasn't and, gonna mention it, but there you go. There you go. There you go. I'm I'm just gonna pull the band-aid off now because you always find a way to sneak it in anyway, Erica. Uh <laughs> but there's like sometimes I get reviews on there and it confuses me because it's an urban legend humorous erotica story about Sasquatch. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll get a one-star review. This book is unrealistic because he posted an ad for his friend on Craigslist. And I'm like, <laughs> that's the reason. Yeah, that's the reason that I I went too far. I went too far How with that. How dare you? I don't How know dare. what you were thinking. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, my friends would put a Craigslist ad. <laughs> <laughs> I know Erica would. <laughs> Those are high-quality friends. <laughs> what do you What do you mean would? Did. What are you talking did. about? You just moved. It's going to make it ineffective, but that's fine. Whoever moves into your old house will have a good time. Yes. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. That's frowned upon. Show up and dress the Sasquatch at this address. <laughs> so how fast do you write? This is a lot of books you've been working on and a lot of stories. It so is. how often and how fast do you write? You know, it's dependent on the project. Um, I try to write a little bit of something every day, even if it's just a sentence or two, right? I think it's important to keep that that muscle going. Um, you know, it's it's to me, it's like anything else. If you don't use it, you're gonna lose it. Um, you know, there have been periods where I have been very, very productive in a very regular way. So when I was writing, um, for instance, um, Diary of a Fairy Princess, the third book in the series, um, I was working at a museum downtown right on the waterfront and every day at lunchtime, you know, it was spring, summer, every day at lunchtime, I would take my lunch and I would go sit outside by the water. I would take my notebook and I would write diary of a fairy princess. Um, and I remember having the best time just sitting there by myself, cracking up at the ridiculous stuff I was writing in this notebook, because it's like, that one is half kind of like live action and half um, journal entries told in the first person voice of a very, very spoiled princess. So <laughs> I had a blast. I had been reading a lot of Chelsea Handler books that year and it just kind of like leached into this somehow. I wanted to play around with that, that kind of voice. Um, and that was what came out. Um, it's one of the shorter books in the series. So it, it took me, you know, front to back, probably three to four months to have a draft on that one. Um, and then other ones, um, probably closer to a year. Um, okay. Vengeance Squad, probably a little bit longer because there was a pandemic that kind of like got in the way um, and, and ruined everything, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> and I did have to do a bit of a pivot on that one early on. Like I kind of I initially set out to write like a, a corporate espionage thriller. Like I wanted to investigate one of the big villains in the setting, this this 
corporation that's run by a bunch of demons that used to be human. And I wanted to play around and like show the readers more about what that was like. And then everything closed down and I just couldn't do it. And I, I still had that goal of like wanting to show a little bit more of that portion of the world, but I felt like I needed to do it through a more relatable, familiar to me and fun lens. So I went back to one of the characters from, um, actually several of the characters from the very first book, A Day With Death, and kind of like set them on a road trip where they were dealing with the demonic, the, the demonic corporation and um, trying to find some guffins that they were all interested in and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, when I don't have to deal with pivoting both story-wise and habit-wise because I'm definitely the kind of person who prefers to write out and about and like everything's locked down. I can't go to the coffee shop. I can't go to the brewery. Going to the park is nice, but not the most comfortable place to sit and write always. Um, you know, I kind of almost had to like reteach myself how to write at home, which I think absolutely kind of like extended the length of that project too. No, that makes sense. Uh, and me and Val are both authors who love the coffee shop kind of um, you know, go in, but put in our headphones, but have the motion around us kind of thing. Yes. And then you weren't supposed to be around other humans at right. all. Yeah. And then being around other humans comes a little dangerous sometimes too, for the places yep. that were open. Yeah. So right. no, I get it. I think it's really interesting. So do you listen to music? How do you set yourself up to write now? Yeah. Uh, if I'm at home, I definitely put on some music. Um, usually find some some fast-paced punk rock or some some like um recently got into metal which was a whole other world um so i put that on which i know is not like conducive to sitting there and just like trying to craft the best sentence but for whatever reason it works for me um if i'm out about i have playlists for every book series i write nice they're slightly different from each other and everyone's like, how can you write with lyrics? And I'm like, sometimes I put the song on repeat. I'm like, I see the scene. It's like music, right? And there, yeah, absolutely. Um, if I'm out and about, I usually skip the headphones, right? Like I, I just like that background noise and like the people noise and like seeing everything going on around me. Um, a friend has told me that she thinks I just need something to concentrate against almost. Um, and it's, you know, like having having that kind of like visual activity and, and auditory activity, I have found to be pretty useful too. Like if I need a detail about a character or a place or a thing, right? I can look and I can listen. And if something around me seems like it fits, I can either just use that or kind of riff off of it a little bit more. That makes sense. I mean, I think that's pretty clever. That's actually, I don't know. I didn't. I never thought of that before. I'm just yeah. surprised you can listen to lyrics, but it makes sense if you're kind of pushing against it because I know a lot of people with lyrics. It's like, ah, you know, <laughs> and you're writing the lyrics in your manuscript. Da, 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 yeah. da, da, da. You know, there you're shake it off, shake it. That's not what you're. <laughs> but, so this is really really cool. I I think this is um. Super exciting, all the books you have up and coming and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, and congratulations on what you said, book five just came out. Yep, thank you very much. It, it's, it's totally weird when you hit book five. I just hit book five last year and I was like, this feels weird. There's yeah. five books. Yeah, <laughs> and it's almost like, how do I, how do I, like, 
I can see the home stretch. How do I bring this all back together, right? Because it's been build, right. build, 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 build. You know, I like to think that there's been some fun payoffs and, and satisfying payoffs along the way too. You know, like every one of these books is kind of self-contained and does have a set end, you know, that I right. hope like brings that that little part of the story uh, to a close. But it's also like, no, you what is that finale going to look like? And I'm yeah. very, very excited to find out. I'm really excited to have somebody cosplay one of your characters and show up <laughs> in front of you because that is like the ultimate. You guys write in a series, like I write real world stuff so people could show up in front of me and I'd be like, they'd have to go, I'm dressed like blonde. I'm like, okay. Because like, it's not like a set outfit all the time. It's just clothes, you know. <laughs> but when you do fantasy world, people can show up dressed as your characters and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Have you talked to anybody about doing like graphic novels and things like that? Because it seems like the type of world you're writing would be ripe for such a thing or video games or even role-playing games. Yeah, so there there is a possibility of that. Um, Outland does a lot of graphic novel and comic um, um, products. Um, We've talked about doing, I do have some, a bunch of short stories for free up on my website. We've talked about maybe taking more of those and like turning them into an anthology, right? I was kind of looking at that as marketing material too. It's like, I can crank out 3000 words, make it interesting. And like, here's a little slice of the, the world. Check it out, right? Like here's yeah. something. Single author, short story collections. And, and yeah. readers do enjoy those as well. Like a lot, I think it, they don't get enough credit right? Yeah. Being able to put your favorite author's short stories into one collection. I know my literary stuff, like Lewis Carroll and stuff, they had a bunch of short stories. So I have a couple of their books. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's like a missed trend these days. Oh, nice. Nice. So I'm ahead of the curve then. Looking forward to getting that done. <laughs> Let me know how it goes. Let me know. You can be the guinea pig. Well, I also think that, you know, some people are just better with short stories too. And they'd like to see them. And especially... You could even, with your world, do little side stories and do little novellas that are side stories off of some of the characters that maybe aren't highlighted or aren't planned for the next four books that you have planned in your series. But everybody wants to talk about this side character that's whatever, right. you know? Yeah. And, you, get, you know, that's where you start getting that fan interaction. And then as you build that fan interaction and they're going, we really like Blah, because mm -hmm. I feel like it is never going to be who you think it's going to be when right. they like the character. You really think they're gonna like Jade, and everybody's like, "No, we like Sally." And you're like, "The fellow with Sally in the Which one was Sally again? <laughs> is there a Sally in the book? Which book is it? <laughs> but they like Sally. They're super excited about Sally's Sally. Best. Sally's my favorite. <laughs> okay, so um, we do have to wrap. What Val? Do you want to ask a question? I'll ask the final one because you always get. No, 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 you go for it. You go for it. She doesn't have a question. That's what I don't have a question. question. That's what it is. <laughs> so, um, you base this off of Men in Black in your first book. Who would you cast as your two lead characters? Ooh, that's a good question. It's something I've thought about a lot. Um, man, that's a good question. So. The first book in the series is a date with death. It's um, about a 20 something uh, young man who has to move home after losing his job and he discovers, hey, nobody nobody else in town can die. Um, and it's essentially because he stole death's girlfriend and death is despondent and not really doing, doing his job anymore. So he's kind of on the hook there. Um, so I think the, 
Oh, now I need to know who the lead character, the girlfriend, and who Death is. You're going to have to give me all three now. Absolutely. There we go. All right. We're expanding. Okay. We're making it harder. Huh? I like it. Um, so I think the, the lead character, Kevin, the, um, the uh, girlfriend stealer. Um, man, that's a good one. You know, the uh, Robert Pattinson's coming into my head. Okay. Um, okay. I think that fits. And then, um, of course, we have no budget, right? Like the budget is yeah, infinite. No budget. Market, infinite but budget. Whoever you want. Yeah, yeah. And I they're going to say yes, obviously. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think Billy, um, you know, Billy always, I always picture the lead singer from Fall Out Boy. He's, he's, that's his thing is he's kind of emo. He's, he's in that vein. Okay. Um, and then the, the love interest in between Nella, uh, she is a water nymph, so she is blue. Um, I think. Oh, uh, Zendaya. Oh. I think she would be a very good fit for that. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Nicely cast. Expensive casting. Nicely cast. Let's hope Fallout Boy can act. But yeah, we're not going to have much money for the uh, for the special effects, so we'll have to, we'll have to go practical there and figure it out. Yeah. Infinite budget. Infinite budget. <laughs> okay, Val, you're up, my friend. Uh, uh, what mythologies have you drawn upon for your magical worlds? Oh, interesting. Um, I asked this one earlier and then I got sidetracked. That's called oh. alcohol and no. <laughs> <laughs> It's um, a thing. I don't know that I have drawn on a ton. It's been a lot of kind of piecing together little pieces and parts of various things um i would say you know there are some references to atlantis so there's a little bit of that mythology in there nice. um there is also you know when i think of the uh, memory dust that i mentioned earlier one of the things that i felt really helped me kind of amp that up was um the Dune series and reading about the um, the spice and how that was like a big part of the economy and a big part of the world and like more than just, you know, a drug, right? Like that's the thing that helps people live forever and helps them traverse the stars. And there's a whole, you know, wide array of businesses and, and functions built around that. Um, thinking about dust in terms of the spice I felt and using that kind of lore kind of as a basis um, I felt helped me kind of make that a lot more interesting and amp that up so it's not quite mythology but it was a definite inspiration inspirations yeah that's cool all Very right cool. okay what advice would you give authors out there um right 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 and do your best not to not to get stuck in your own head. Um, you know, I feel like that is one of the biggest things I run into when I talk to unpublished writers, right? Like I have, you know, participated in a bunch of writing groups and hang out with as many writers as I can. And like, there are so many of them who have awesome, amazing, fun, unique, voicey works in progress and they just get stuck. And it's, it's sad. And I, I understand that, you know, having that, that first publication like gives you that boost of confidence to, to make pass that a lot easier. But I think if more writers could find a way past that block, I think they would find a lot of success. 
Very cool. Okay, shameless self-promotion time. Let's talk about books <laughs> and where to find them and where to find you on social media. So I'm Scott Tolby. My website is deviantmagic.com. Um, all of my novels are available also on outlandentertainment.com. Of course, you can find them on Amazon, but Amazon takes more of a cut than the publisher store does. So please go through the publisher store if you can. Um, my books are... Oh, look at this. You, if you're watching the YouTube, you can see them. Go for it. Exactly. I got a date with death, right? There's, there's Billy, there's Fallout Boy. We got book two, got done. We got Diary of a Fairy Princess, my personal favorite, highly recommended. Even if you don't read the others, you can still like get something out of this one. Um, Stranger Than Fiction, book number four. And then the most recent, Vengeance Squad, book number five. I am on Twitter as Colby Knows Best. I'm on Instagram as Scott Writes Fine. I'm on Facebook as myself. Um, I'm on PlayStation Network as pop, popular novelist. If anybody wants to play Destiny 2, uh, check me out. <laughs> Wonderful, Scott. It's been amazing having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Hello, Drinking With Authors fans. This is your host, Erica Lance. Because of the change of the format of the show, welcome to the Literary Briefs portion. Enjoy. Welcome. <laughs> That's too fast. I can't handle two at once. <laughs> try this again Mel. shut it welcome to drinking with authors the literary briefs edition val was so well behaved in the last episode and then of course in 2.5 seconds it goes to complete shit so my co-host today is the ever interrupting val willis because she's had apparently way too much baileys our guest today is scott oh my god it's just an intro let me get through the intro then you can talk all you want. <laughs> okay. Our guest today is Scott Colby. Woo! Woo! I kind of wish I had had some Baileys. Yes, apparently. <laughs> well, you that and her apparent inability to process liquor. Well, let's talk about what we're drinking, Val. So I'm going to try to get through. I'm going to say what I'm drinking, then you go. How about that? I'm holding my so, breath. <laughs> drinking with author swag this is gonna be painful i can already tell um i've got a little bit left of my waynesville soda jerks lavender and lemon and i put um gin into it which apparently i can handle a little better than our friend val val what are you I, drinking now i just made coffee <laughs> um I, I realized when i walked in there that the, the world tilted slightly and i'm like oh i did too much bailey <laughs> I misjudged how lightweight I was going to be for today, I guess. I don't know. It's I don't I don't even know anymore, Erica. I give up. <laughs> I, well, I doubt that horribly. I doubt that. Scott, what are you drinking? I am drinking a year with Dr. Nandu from Aeronaut. Um feel like I've got a lot of catching up to do to get up to, to where you guys are at, but I'll I'll work on it. Uh don't First of all, don't try to be where I'm at. I don't recommend that for humans most of the time. And Val, 
you're never going to be that lightweight. That is impossible. I, I smell alcohol and that's it. I'm done. So this is good. Scott, rapid fire time, my friend. What Let's is go. your favorite book of all time? Uh, Magic Kingdom for Sale by Terry Brooks. Very, very cool. Um, why do you like that book? I think it's a great, very creative way to to show off like a fantasy world, right? It's it's not something I've seen a lot before or since. Very cool. Um, what is your least favorite book of all time? Oh man, so I I could get skewered for this one. Um, I could not get through the two towers. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of walking in that book. And a lot of a lot of they had lunch, and a lot of it rained, and a lot of oh let's sing a song, and it's like can we get to wherever these towers are? <laughs> there's two of them this is taking a really long time let's go yeah no, that makes sense okay what about um your favorite book that was made into a movie or a tv show that you thought they did a very good job with oh so and this is a good question i like this one because it's a book that um i really love thomas pynchon right and for years and years and years and years it was oh he's unfilmable he's unfilmable but i thought they did an excellent job with inherent vice very cool. Where do you think they didn't do a good job? Yes. Uh, some of the casting choices I remember thinking were a little funky, right? Like I liked uh, Joaquin as the main guy, um, but just some of the side characters did not seem quite like like they fit. Very cool. Val? Uh, if you could be any mythical or magical creature, which one would it be? Unicorn. Ooh, why? Horses are cool. Horses with horns seem even cooler. <laughs> All right. If you could go back into history, what time period would you choose? 70s, because that looks like a hoop. Oh, nice. Yeah, I would like to go to a disco. Yeah, why not? Uh, uh, yeah. Studio 54, man. If I could yeah. go back to anywhere, I would go to Studio 54. I like it. We'll find the time machine. We'll go together. That would be awesome. I might not come back. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. If you could sit and talk with any author, alive or dead, uh, who would you pick? You know, if my brain went first to Thomas Pynchon, but I'm thinking of actually Ian M. Banks. Um, his um, sci-fi series, I think, is fantastic. Um, the culture, uh, very, very well written. Every book is kind of different, kind of kind of like I've been doing. Um, and I think that he would be fascinating to talk. Do you leave book reviews when you read them? Sometimes if I'm questionable on something, um, I remember doing that um, for um, Gideon the Ninth, which I can't recommend enough, um, but like it had been recommended to me uh, by Amazon's wonderful algorithms and I was skeptical for a while and I finally dove into it, read the first few chapters, uh, kind of felt like the main character was written in a very, um, man writing a woman kind of way and was like what is this where is this going this doesn't feel quite right so i started reading the reviews and then um I was reading it on the kindle so i didn't know who the author actually was and i realized oh hey it's gotten great reviews it's actually pretty feminist and pretty progressive once you get going and oh it's not written by a dude it's written by a by a lady so i uh plugged through <laughs> after reading those reviews and was pleasantly uh surprised and and like one of my favorite things that i've read in the last couple of years but do you write reviews for stuff you've read? I do not, know. 
no, you're an author who should like reviews. And so you got to write reviews for things. <laughs> you're right. It's, it's skewing my karma. I should get on that. I, yeah, I there is a karma thing with writing reviews. Just not if they're terrible. If they're terrible, email the author directly. Like, <laughs> we yeah. write up them, right? That's the best part. Yes, true. Um, what is your favorite weird food combination? Uh, you know, I'd say pineapple on pizza, right? Because that gets a lot of, lot of hate, but I'm, I'm team pineapple on pizza. I hate it. There's some ham on there. <sighs> I'm so not a fan of fruit on pizza. <laughs> add some bacon to it and it's... it's Oh, like yeah. you can add bacon to almost anything and it makes it amazing. Like ice cream, add bacon to ice cream and it makes it amazing. And potato chips, which is the bomb. Yeah. If, if you can. Do... Oh, good. So I just threw you off somehow. Uh, yeah. Chocolate milk, you know, Slim Jim girl. I just threw you off <laughs> potato chips and ice cream. That's what Val eats, by the way. That's her, that's her go-to writing snack food. Is really? A bag of Doritos, Slim Jim, and a chocolate milk. Do you ever like stir the chocolate milk with the Slim Jim? No, no, no. Just got to make sure on that one. No. All right. What about your writing food, Scott? What is your go-to writing food? Um, Snack. Beer? Does that count? Is that that's a food, right? Yeah. That counts. I count that. Wine is one of my favorite go-to writing. (laughs) Group onto itself. By the end of the bottles, though, I'm like, look at the stuff I've written the next day, and I'm like. Well, I thought this was much more clever than it actually is. You know, drunk writing, that can be so much fun. Sometimes it can turn out really well or really terribly, but I don't feel like there's middle of the ground drunk writing. Like, it's either fantastic or it's like the worst thing in the world. And just sounds, you just put sounds on a piece of paper. And if you longhand it like me, you can see the progression, right? Like as the writing starts to get a little bit more ragged, you can tell, you can tell what was written. Do you, you know, always longhand it first before you type it in? Generally, yeah, yeah. I like doing that. It's like a first draft, second draft kind of thing, right? Works out pretty well. That makes sense. Although when I do that, I'm like, I already wrote this. <laughs> I don't want to type it up. I already wrote it. for it. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to type up what I already, now if I had somebody to type it up, maybe I'd longhand write more often. I need to know that just sits here and types up all my longer there you go. I've desperately been trying to find any program that would actually work where you could use a stylus and stuff. I've tried every single one of them. Yeah. None of them work. I don't know why we can't have this technology because it seems like brilliant technology. Mm-hmm. The stuff out there just doesn't work no matter what it is. It drives me crazy. Okay, Val, question? I, I can't tell if that was a question on your brain or you forgot where you were. Which I was it? where it was. You should know the answer to that already. <laughs> I knew the answer to that. I just wanted to put you on the spot. Oh, you said you played <laughs> D&D for the first time. Yeah. Uh, what class and race did you choose? I was a, you know, it was advised that I keep it simple. So I was a human soldier. I was a veteran of many wars. I was very gruff and rough and tumble and Played that up as best as I could during. Oh, the- you seem much more roguelike to me. I know, or even even Bard. Oh, I like Bard. Why the hell would you say Bard? I, I Bards do shenanigans, okay? Like, okay, so I'm the type that when I build a character, I try to break stuff. I break stuff all the time, but I break I break stuff. So, for instance, my friends like I'm going to do a Pathfinder. And, and I'm going to do it with the, the Hobgoblin campaign. And I'm like, oh, awesome. And I realized that Hobgoblins can be mammoth writers. 
And if you're a mammoth rider, you get a mammoth with level four bardic shout. So I'm a bard hobgoblin on a barding elephant. And I said, I am going to show up like Prince Ali from Aladdin. <laughs> Did you sing the song too? <laughs> yes. <laughs> she probably sang the song out loud, like normally. That was, that was, um, yeah. Falcon Games is a bad <laughs> example me. on a regular That's basis. I do, so. But um, let's see. Uh, you said you played Destiny too. Yeah. What's your uh, favorite class to play on there? Warlock, Warlock. And I've got a character that I've had since the early days of uh, original vanilla Destiny. Love the, love the lore, love the world building. Think it's super fantastic. Like one of the best feeling shooters I've ever picked up too. Like it just, it flows, it's so easy. Yeah, my favorite class is a hunter, and the same thing. I I have a hunter that's been there the whole time from nice. the beginning. Nice. I hate I to jump. I don't like though. redoing the raids, so yeah, I don't like playing Destiny. <laughs> like I get excited, I'll go in when they launch new stuff, and then when people are like, "Let's run through this same dungeon for the fourth time," it's also the reason I got tired of WoW because yeah. I'm like, oh, "I've already done this. Let's do something new." Yep. You know? Yeah, it's definitely on a little hiatus right now in between what they've got going on, trying to play some other things, working on uh, Jedi Outcast right now, you know, very different beast, but also very well. I play Borderlands. That's nice. my, that, that's her jam. That's, that's my jam. Yeah. I'm, I'm right now in the middle of Tiny Tina's, all the expansions they have right now. Oh, those are great. Those are it's basically Dungeons and Dragons video game for yep. <laughs> But with Tina, I appreciate it. So, um, I do have a question. What about um, uh, if you could travel anywhere, like where would you go to? Like bucket list, no cost thing. Like where would you want to travel? I uh, would love to go to South America. Uh, would love to see the jungle and the rainforest and, and all of the old ruins down there. Um, love to just like spend a month on a tropical island too, right? Like drinking margaritas, writing books, not giving a crap. Um, Europe seems cool. I uh, would love to go to Italy and just eat my face off, um, and we'd love to see the Great Wall of China someday. Okay, that's a lot of, that's, we, we did a, a, a whole, he's got a whole check. We did a whole world tour. Yeah, we did, whole we world did, tour. did a world tour. Where would you like to go? Too. The entire world. That's where back I want to go. Back to back to back, yep. <laughs> Is there anywhere you travel to that you're like, I don't need to do that again? Uh, you know, I often feel that way about Vermont. Just not, not for me. People in New England love it, but it's just, I don't know. It's it's pretty. You see one of those mountains, you've kind of seen them all. You know, I've seen the leaves change every year, forever. Um, I understand why people like it, but it's just not not my favorite place. So leaves change for the first time this past fall. Okay, nice. Yes, yeah. I, I finally got out of Florida as well. And I heard so much about it all the time as she was driving. And the leaves. Oh my <laughs> and gosh. And I'm like, what is happening? What is going on? She was like, what's this? What's this? I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Just get to my house already, Valerie. You're on a highway. I'm like, you're waiter. Attic. Can't hear you. <laughs> nice. <laughs> no, it's very interesting when people see stuff for the first time and they get blown away. And it's something you see all the time and you're like, uh. right. It's, yeah. it's pretty. It is. I, I appreciate it, but I don't need to 
no. I suppose that's the same feeling I get when people see manatees, dolphins, and alligators. They're like, oh, and they're like, oh. <laughs> just another day. <laughs> just another day here in Florida. Just here in Especially Florida. when you see them all at the same time. No, just yeah, I have. I have. I have, I have no doubt. I go fishing in brackish water where that's where the fresh water and salt water. There are manatees, dolphins, and alligators and sharks all in the same section. My favorite, my favorite is going to Mosquito uh Lagoon. And what people don't know about Titusville over there is that the water glows from like June to October almost. Oh. Yeah, it's bioluminescence, right? So one time we take the kids out there all the time and we usually stop by Hallover Canal before I take them someplace where they can splash around in it safely. But we're watching these board, paddle boarders or kayakers, right? And you can see the entire dolphin under the water glowing. It's really cool. And you're like, oh, look at the dolphins. And then we watch this paddle boarder go, there's another dolphin over here. And me and my husband are like, I see the big glowing shape, but that, that dolphins move. That's yeah. not moving in the same way. I'm like, honey, I think there's a bull shark. And the guy gets over there and he goes, oh, shit, it's a shark. And he starts that's <laughs> the best <laughs> oh, it's good yeah the scariest thing we have the, in the waters up here in massachusetts if you're fresh water is the, the snapping turtles those things get huge and they're oh, God. They, they don't like it when you're a little too close to them no, no. and they have the like ginormous necks it's scary. yeah yeah it's they're scary. dinosaurs yeah. soft shells around here are built about the same and then we have the alligator snappers and then the alligator gar. Okay, Val, no, that we're not doing this. I was going to see how long you were going to continue, but I'm going, Erica. You have to stop me. You have to pull me out. I do. Like, and then she's like, let me discuss every kind of frog. And no, no, it's no, bad. close your mouth. We're not doing this and at all. Out of control. Okay. So you said you were looking to venture into other genres and stuff. Is there a genre that you would absolutely love to write, but you're kind of afraid that you, you wouldn't do a good job at it? Romance. Romance. I would love to whip up a ridiculous pen name and write the most ridiculous romance fiction that I could come up with. Why don't you then? Yeah. Never know until you try. This Jeff Strand did that. He writes some more beers. <laughs> I'm telling you, wine and beer will help anything. I think it's true. <laughs> Except for me. <laughs> it lets us watch you like a spectator sport. At least I'm entertaining, right? Uh, <laughs> that's, that's an understatement. Oh. <laughs> um, let's see. What writing, um, what is a common writing bad habit that you have? Like uh, for me and Erica, I think we tend to crutch on a certain phrasing like they sigh all the time in a certain novel i don't crunch on phrasing now now i change the names of characters from chapter to chapter that's my oh, that's thing. your new thing that's my new thing it's okay we don't need to maintain names it's fine somebody the editor will figure out who i'm talking about <laughs> doesn't matter what the name is that's they just send me the names and go which one do you want to use and i'm like Ooh, let's use this one <laughs> I think I do have a habit of falling into repetitive kind of structures, right? Like I noticed in what I'm working on now, you know, I'll have a paragraph talking about a bunch of things and then it ends with the, the main character's perspective on it in one sentence. 
And I realized the other day, I just kept doing that and doing that and doing that, oh. doing that. It's like, this is why I write it first and then type it up, right? Because then I can clean it up. Yeah. But it was like, uh-oh, that's not going to, that's not going to fly. Can't do that. No, it's always fascinating from book to book how it shifts too. It's never the same problem twice. What a writing habit or skill do you think you do well? Uh, dialogue. I think I'm pretty good at that. I think I'm good at keeping that um, realistic and, um, you know, making different characters sound like different people um, and keeping that, that, that flowing and keeping it working well. Yeah, I think that's definitely one of my strengths. Very cool. Look at look at you asking writer questions. I know. Look at me go. That's a very good so, question too. It, like, a lot of people like I love asking these questions, especially with like Jonathan Mayberry or someone, because people need to understand we're writers, and it doesn't change. <laughs> it doesn't change no matter how how high on the totem pole or low on the totem pole you are. We all struggle with the same things. Um, and things like that. Do you? Um, oh, I totally your turn. Like, are you asking there, Mel? Because it's fun to watch wherever you're going in your brain. Your I know my eyes. My eyes are chasing the thoughts, and I'm like, oh, it just went out the window. I just. <laughs> what did Here you tag your it? Did you ask a question or no? Hmm. No, you just made... lost it. I okay. Lost it. I appreciate that very much. Okay. So what about what um, uh, world would you go into if you could go into any literary world? So the answer came immediately and I'm working on a reason why. Um, maybe Infinite Jest, just because it was it struck me as so like realistic but weird and strange and offbeat and you know I I it's one of those books where I don't feel like I could actually recommend it to anyone but I'm still glad I read it and I would love to be able to go play Eschaton and just like simulate nuclear war with tennis and like the world's worst PC hanging out doing all the calculations like that to me seems like it'd be a fun Sunday interesting interesting okay what about um okay and i just lost my question then i just see it's not just it's i have a drunk gnome that's very i my drunk gnomes rings random post-its and it's like do you want this one and something about cucumbers and i'm like no that is not the post-it i want thank you go file that away (laughs) um okay where to go it's coming back uh no, Val, you go. I keep, what, yeah. I uh, so, you, I know you said earlier in in the podcast before if folks are following along. Uh, to my drunkenness, but um, you said that you chose to self-publish the first book. Did you even try to do traditional? Did you look at traditional? What was the deciding? Did you try other things before settling for self-publish, or did you just run in for self-publish because it spoke to you? I tried for a little bit. Um, I did get a couple of um, query uh, form rejection letters that were like barely on a full piece of paper. And of course, you know, that's that's kind of a badge of honor. Like I hung them up on the fridge, but it was kind of like, I looked at the whole process and was just like, why, why am I doing this to myself? You know, um, 
I do think that, you know, being older and wiser, I do think it's a, it is a worthwhile process if you think you can get through it. Um, but yeah, it, I did, I tried a little bit, my patience for it was not long. And then when I saw that, oh, hey, here's, here's this other avenue. I was like, you know what? Let's do that. Let's see how this goes. What's the worst that can happen? And look where you are now. And that's freaking awesome. Exactly. Um, yep. Uh, Let's see, what's the other question I had? I had another question. I swear, Erica, I, I believe you. I, I think I somehow caught whatever the hell's going on with you because I'm totally fine over here. And I'm like, where did my question just go? I feel pretty today. Um, um, go for it. See, I did catch something from you. I don't like <laughs> this at all. I don't, I do not like this at all. Have you been on any panels or anything like that talking about nope. writing? Yeah, I was on a panel uh, at Kansas City uh, Comic Con last year. It was a was a blast. What was that? What was the panel about? Oh man, why? You know, I'm gonna blame the beer. Um, what was that? Yeah. We can blame Val because blame Val. She's yeah. like a <laughs> show right now. Val's Bailey somehow like leapt across the screen <laughs> into my brain. And, and then yeah. Erica, it's it's, it's viral. It's viral, Bailey's. Yeah, I believe it was about building fantasy worlds, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I know that we, we had pretty good attendance. We had a lot of good questions asked. Um, yeah, I think it was about building. Yes. I, I love it. I, like, it always feels like a satisfying panel when the crowd ask, is, ask questions, right? You feel like that they were engaged at that point. Mm -hmm. And it really makes you feel like they're, they're taking advantage of the whole reason why you, you sure. went up there. What is a topic you do like to discuss most often on panels? Um me uh right like we all got that right yeah <laughs> about myself for a couple of hours it's always great um, i like talking about myself what else <laughs> i like talking about the 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 craft of writing too, right like how you get from point a to point b and how you like figure out um you know i, I think most of us have a bunch of like things we want to hit in whatever we're working on and like filling in that in between matter um, I think is one of the more interesting things to, to talk about. Well, okay, Val, you're going to get the final question. I'm going to ask a question and then you can have the final one. Let's hope I can remember it by the time. I know. I'm giving you lots of leeway to totally screw us up. Do you believe in um, the paranormal, like ghosts and stuff like that? Yes, yes. Not all of it. Uh, ghosts, I think, are a decent possibility. Um, I go back and forth on Bigfoot. I don't like this whole like Bigfoot is a multiversal creature and that is why we can't find him because when you chase him, he escapes to another dimension thing that seems to be um, happening. Um, aliens, I think pretty strong possibility. Um, and I've always been a fan of those paranormal shows, right? Like those were always on the TV when I was younger. They're, they're still on the TV when I go home for Christmas and it's kind of a fun bonding thing with, with my father and my brother and my mother being unhappy there's stupid ghosts on tv so it's it's a thing and i i enjoy it a lot yeah yeah very cool you should totally listen to what is it eerie travels or yeah eerie travels that's our other yeah. podcast yeah Mark <laughs> <laughs> talking about yourself well i wasn't for talking about i mean legitimately i was i wonder if people because as um uh writers especially fantasy horror that kind of thing it's always interesting to me when they go no i don't believe in the paranormal and i'm right. like how do, you, how do you write a fantasy world? Yeah, it's but, a little awkward, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, I'm like, aliens, 
if we think we're alone on this rock in the middle of space, we, if you truly think we're alone, you have so many problems. Yeah. Because yeah. So the universe funny. is so big. It's yeah. so big. Yeah. yeah. We may never meet them, but they're out there. Yeah. For for my honeymoon or my anniversary. Oh my God. I this is the struggle is real today. For my anniversary last year, me and my husband wanted to stay uh the weekend at St. Augustine, right? And I've always wanted to go on a ghost tour. I always talk about mythology and ghost stories, and, and I know all this information in history, but I've never been on one. And Mark Munsey's like, oh, St. Augustine has some great ones. And I said, well, what do you recommend? He says, well, if they still have openings, like the Old City Jail After Dark. So I go and I get a ticket for Old City After Dark. What I did not pay attention to is this is not a ghost tour. This is a paranormal investigation for the next three hours from midnight to 3 a.m. But my husband's like, what did you get us into? And I'm like, I'm sorry. And he's like, they're like, you can use the dousing rods. And Justin's like, I'll take these. I know how these work. I mean, And they're like, oh, so you've done this before? He goes, looking for crystals for grandpa when I was a kid. <laughs> same tool <laughs> just like oh but it was a good time because I got to be you know use the equipment learn about the equipment and stuff like that um any ghosts yeah there were some crazies uh, there they, that place is haunted like we were we were in the the main room and one of the doors because there's nothing electrical about the door systems there and it, it come to find out the guy who built that jail because of the mechanisms he put in that jail, won the Alcatraz contract. So it's the same builder, which I had no idea until I went on this tour and they start talking about the darker history, right? Mm -hmm. But like one of the doors started sliding and clanked. And it's like, that is a, like, and then of course she goes, look, like you guys can try moving the doors. It's not that easy to move one of these heavy metal doors. And it was, it was really interesting. And they had spirit boxes. And at one point she had brought a coloring book and two crowns, right? And she's like, I have a red and blue crown. And she's like, last time I was here, there was a little kid voice coming across and he wanted to color because this is where the sheriff's kids used to be. But they, one or two kids died throughout the years because of yellow fever and things like that. And, uh, and she's like, do you want to color with the red or the blue? And the, and the little voice would come across the spirit box finally and say purple. <laughs> she's like, no, red or blue. Then she turns to the rest of us. There's six of us, right? And she's like, who wants to color with the ghost? And we're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> My husband's like, I will. He gets over there and he's looking at the crown and he takes out his phone and turns on the flashlight. He goes, it's a purple crown. It's a purple crown. We're like, oh shit! Wow, the ghost was correcting her every time she would ask, huh. and it was just really like, what? How, how do you explain that? So it was like it was a really, really trippy experience for sure. Um, but it, like, as a, a writer who writes about stuff like that, to be able to be in the shoes of for, of a paranormal investigator in, in an environment like that, it was really cool uh, experience. So if you ever come to Florida, St. Augustine. Old City Jail After Dark. Sounds great. I'll put it on the to-do list. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, Valda remembers her question now. That let's see if I remember my question. Listen to you. All right. <clears throat> you've done self-publishing. You've done traditional publisher. What are 
what would you like to tell authors who are trying to consider both paths what they should understand they still have to do no matter which path they choose? Marketing, right? Marketing. That's the big one that everybody <laughs> forgets about or thinks is just going to happen or like the algorithm is just going to take care of it for you because you have keywords and that's just not that's not how it's going to work. You gotta you gotta advocate for yourself, and you have to do it in a variety of ways, and you have to be organized about it, and thoughtful about it, and think about how it relates to your work. Awesome. See, cool. see, that was a pretty good question. Yeah, I'm impressed you remembered it. <laughs> I kept repeating it in my head. It I was, was wondering how you got the there because my thoughts like, don't forget the question, because Erica's going to give you shit. <laughs> that's not very nice. I would, but that's not very yeah. nice. <laughs> You're okay, Scott, shameless self-promotion time. Talk about your books, talk about how to find you. I'm Scott Colby. You can find everything about me on my website at deviantmagic.com. You can find all the books, which I'm not going to go through again. We're going to just fan them out like this and make this look Ooh, kind of cool. Yes, look, look at the colors. Look how fantastic this is. Um, contemporary fantasy, lots of humor, lots of good stuff going on there. Uh, Date with Death is book number one. Vengeance Squad is the most recent release of book number five, and everything in between is is freaking wonderful, too. Um, I'm on Facebook as myself. I'm on Twitter as uh, Colby Knows Best. I'm on Instagram as Scott Writes Fine. And, um, you know, if you're ever out and about in the Boston area and you see somebody writing in a, in a pub or a, a brewery, that might be me. Come say hello. Very, very cool. It has been wonderful to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you for having Putting me. It's been a pleasure. That one, which is now on my screen. <laughs> I don't know if it is on everybody else's, but I can just point. Yeah, I get, I get, oh, see, we're below him. And <laughs> <laughs> you totally Hollywood squares kind of thing. I would love to do Hollywood. I'd be brilliant in Hollywood squares. You would be ridiculous at Hollywood Spirits. Okay, guys. This has been Drinking with Authors, the Literary Briefs edition. I've been your host, Erica Lance. My co-host who's going to keep her mouth closed if she can possibly do it. It's been Valerie Willis. Don't forget to like, subscribe, leave us a review. Val would love to know what you think of her. And um, don't forget to check us out next time. We'll see you then. Bye.